Salutations, everybody. We are back with another episode of the SoCo Show. This is, of course, the co-host, Cody Michael, and I'm joined, as always, by the SoHost, Seth Ott. Hi. Okay, there we go. A uh, <laughs> very creepy way to start out episode 105. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? Live, baby, live. Live, baby, live. <laughs> it's not live at all. <laughs> you should know this by now. Um, we do got a lot of fun shit to talk about today, though. Um, we're gonna review some stuff. Uh, we're gonna we got some news. We're gonna talk about some things. We got a Mambo number five. All the shit that you uh, you would expect. Um, and if, if you're not excited about that introduction, then just stick around. <laughs> Clearly, this is the most excited I've ever been for a podcast. We got some uh, we got some stuff and some took, shit. And, we, uh, yeah. we, we just figured out it took 105 episodes of Cody to finally not care about doing this anymore. <laughs> this is the wall. Everyone's like, oh shit, Cody just hit the wall. <laughs> I, I gotta say, 105 weeks in a row of doing something, though, that's that that's the most you've ever done anything ever in a row. So I, I feel true. like I feel like this is a win-win. So The only thing I've ever done 105 of in a row is eat M&Ms during a movie. <laughs> And my record is 206, actually. So still a ways to go wish before we can top that. I wish there was that many in a bag of M&Ms at the movies. It usually runs out too quick. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I get bigger M&M bags. Probably get the same size M&M bags that everyone You don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll be out there in, a, in exactly a month. So when we go see It Chapter 2, I'm going to get a bag of M&Ms. I'm going to count M&Ms here before I leave. And then I'm going to come out there and count the M&Ms. And if there's more, then I'll give you the win here. Okay. Stay tuned for hard-hitting journalism like this uh, <laughs> on what will probably be about three or four episodes from now on the SoCo Show. Uh, we're going to get to the bottom of this M&M shit. Does Iowa or Oregon have more NEMs in a bag? Um, stay tuned, and, and you'll, you just may find out as long as Seth remembers that we talked about this in a month. I also guarantee that Iowa has much better movie theater cheeseburgers than than Ben does. Ooh, I don't know. I gotta say, I've I've had I've had many a movie theater cheeseburger in Iowa. (laughs) You're biased, though. Yeah, it's (laughs) because Iowa has the best movie theater cheeseburgers. Oh, here we go. I almost forgot about this, and I'm sure you did too. Uh, It's the end of the month. Should we do the uh, movie res- oh. movie exam today? We, we, uh, yeah, uh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I did not study at all, so I will lose. But um, but we'll still do it. So um, we'll we'll give that a shot uh, at the end of today's episode. So we we're gonna give you the rundown on all the uh, exciting new films that are coming out in August. Uh, frankly, not a month I'm particularly excited about, but uh, but we'll we'll go through. There are some bright spots in there, so. Uh, new release exam coming at you at the end of this episode. Uh, Seth, what's going on in your world this week? Uh, this week, I need, I need, I need the people's help. I need people to go to uh, my GoFundMe page because I'm at a, I'm in a real dark, dark spot here. Uh, for the next couple days, uh, I am officially in safety mode on my Verizon plan. Oh no! Uh, which, which, which basically means that. Uh, my phone is the equivalent to a 56k modem from ni- from 1999. 
<laughs> and for those who don't know, uh, 56K modem, it's a dial-up. Uh, and for those who don't know what a dial-up is, it's uh, when people plugged in phone lines into their computers uh, to get the internet. For those who don't know, a phone line is something that people used to plug into <laughs> these plastic phones to talk on them. Um, so I just gave you a history lesson for everyone who, who's under the age of 16. But safety mode is very slow, uh, incredibly slow. And so I, I've decided instead of spending the $15 for an extra gig of, of data, I, uh, I'm i going to just tough it out in safety mode and, and kind of you know rough it like, like we used to back in the day. So I do have a GoFundMe page in case anyone wants to donate to... Uh, get me out of safety mode. Maybe you know, bump my my gigs up a couple, couple, couple notches over the next few months. Just sign right up and uh, donate a few bucks to get me back into you know at least 2016 when I could use 4G. You know, I, I, I I'm feeling like I'm left behind here. I, I the the news I saw today was that Kelly P- Kapowski got broken up with, and uh, and that splat is coming out in the market here pretty soon. So. Uh, pretty excited about about what's going on in the world today. <laughs> uh, you can contribute to Seth's GoFundMe at GoFundMe.com slash, I don't know, I, I couldn't think of a funny one. I didn't give myself long enough runway. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll link to it in the description box. I'll think of a joke later, and I'll type it in there. This is funny because I... I would never do what you're doing. I would just pay because I, 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 that would drive me up a fucking wall if I was trying to refresh my tweets and it wasn't popping up. Like I would have a meltdown and probably fight somebody and I would lose the fight and then I'd have medical bills. So it would be in the long run less cost effective for me to for me to, to be frugal and it would be for me the, the wiser option for spending the $15. But uh, well, that's a real bitch, man. I feel for you. That's tough. And what's actually like Twitter actually runs relatively well with the safety mode. It's like if I want to listen to any podcasts, I have to let it buffer for about four hours. Um, the music is out. Music and YouTube are out the window. That's not going to happen until I get home and get Wi-Fi and on my. Well, here's the thing is that the city Cedar Rapids for the longest time had free Internet. And mm. about a month ago, they they only have free Internet for certain customers now. And so. And I'm not one of the customers that it basically was put on by one of the companies here. And that I'm not, I'm not a, a customer of that company. You have to be a customer of the company in order to log into the free Wi-Fi downtown. And so I've been having to basically stream all my podcasts that come out during the day that I listen to because I have eight hours of time to listen to podcasts. I have a pretty set schedule and I'm not going to break that. So I, I, I uh, decided to risk it this month and with about five days left... Oh, Friday is when it finally went out. And so I had the weekend to just, you know, play on the Wi-Fi and, and live like a like a normal person. And then I come into work today, and I today is Monday, and I uh, was starting to feel it. So uh, I've been I've been finding rocks to throw uh, near <laughs> near the, the local river. Uh, I've been using, using old bricks as sidewalk chalk. I've been, you know, playing with bugs, using magnifying glasses to burn them, just trying to figure out how we used to live back in the in the 90s when the internet and all that stuff wasn't around so you know for anyone who wants wants to learn how to you know hoop it up 1990s style i'm your man god well that sounds like fucking torture so send your condolences and your cash to seth so we can get him out of this dark (laughs) gloomy hell that he currently resides in um i am not envious of your situation whatsoever appreciate it (laughs) we are connected now though We've got Wi-Fi. 
So uh, you you shouldn't expect any streaming issues. Uh, actually, I don't know. Maybe everyone else out there is on on safety mode. So maybe maybe you need to buffer us. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, right now we're connected. So no no issues of buffering between Seth and I as we record this podcast. And uh, we're gonna get into some stuff and some things and and items. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're really killing it on the descriptions I, today. I, uh, I I'm pretty worn out today. I sh- I'll, I'll let the listeners in on some some back background on my day. I I, sp- I spent four hours on the road today after after work uh, before our recording. So I'm I'm a little I'm a <laughs> I'm a little uh, worn out, but uh, I will try my best to pick the energy up. Uh, for the remainder of the podcast, because I am excited about some of the stuff we have to talk about. And um, what what better way to get me jazzed up for episode 105 than than with some chic tweets? I call you a punk. Iron Sheik, I don't know what prompted this at all, but it's the, the, this this statement by the Sheik is is quite disheartening for people who like to believe in childhood wonderment and and sleight of hand uh, Iron Sheik says if you believe in magic go fuck yourself <laughs> oh Sheiky baby he must be having a bad day you know what I bet that is is the song if you believe in magic go fuck yourself a beautiful oh. rendition I think that's exactly what it is probably Sheik does uh, he loves he loves some, some parody music so <laughs> yeah no doubt um, Sheiky baby, covering the classics. If you believe in magic, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I call you a punk. Let's shout out our sponsors. First of all, audibletrial.com/soco. Hit the link in the description box. You're gonna get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free. I just took a sip of tea before I read that, and so I'm feeling a little slivey. <laughs> and there's a lot of s's in that whole little ad, so I started to slip into uh, into our good pal Lou. So I, uh, let me see if I can refocus for this next one. Uh, we got Mathis Designs on Etsy. <laughs> Mathis Designs Etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs. See how many s's there are there. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Uh, and finally, Mike's Wood on Etsy.com slash shop slash cornfed and wed to get your wood worked. <sighs> Ooh, that was a nice one. Nice pleasant little, just a polite, <laughs> polite little, uh, was that an orgasm? Uh, it was more like, like, <laughs> it's like when you're pushing real hard in the toilet. And, oh, uh, <laughs> here we go. Oh, that's nasty. Get out of town. You're an animal. Uh... <laughs> Well, if you have a squatty potty, you don't have to worry about that because you Here don't we really go have to the push that hard. Squatty potty again. We're not yep. sponsored by Squatty Potty. We are. Nope, we're not. <clears throat> okay, there we go. Um, speaking of things that are gross, uh, let's get into some TV news. I, I am particularly excited about this one. That's what she said. TV. So one of the Netflix shows that that Seth, you and I have been really into. Uh, which, as I think about it, is a little bit rare for us to both really love a show. Um, but mm-hmm. there is a really great example of this on Netflix right now, uh, and that's Netflix's Big Mouth. And um, Big Mouth, if you don't know, is the animated show. Uh, Nick Kroll and John Mulaney are kind of the main vocal stars. Um, pretty great cast, though. And it's an animated show about some kids going through puberty, and puberty is personified by a monster uh, whose name I think is Lou. Um 
And uh, Seth, we just found out we're going to be getting uh, quite a bit more Big Mouth in the near future. <laughs> That's not a sentence that uh, should ever be muttered. <laughs> we're getting some more mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three more seasons. Three more seasons of Big Mouth. Three more. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. That was pretty good. Like you're, You sound just like the sounder. <laughs> three more seasons there's only been has there been three seasons now or just two i think two i think the third was already announced and like they were working on it so i think this three more is in addition to what they've already done holy cow that's a big order for a show that young um mm-hmm. but i know the response to it has been great everyone i know that watches it thinks it's fucking hilarious because it is uh, and I know there's some listeners out there who who are watching Big Mouth and will be excited by that news. Um, are are you at all concerned about this whole shtick running its course and getting lame in six seasons? I I was I mean with being I, I always get a little nervous with there being a lot of uh, extra seasons and things ordered just because you know you you either you that can either be good because you can create a create like if that they said okay season six we're done because we have an idea of where we want to go with it then that's cool but it's not like this is breaking bad where there's like an actual arc uh, and it's animated so they can you know keep the kids kids forever that's not a big deal and nick kroll does 95 percent of the voices so that's none of that's a really a big deal but you know something that long it you know you do run the risk of running out of ideas too but there's a lot of places that could go with it so i'm not necessarily worried about big mouth in this case but you know you never know uh sometimes the law of diminishing returns can apply to to even these types of things so yeah i would agree i i'm less worried than i would otherwise be because it's nick kroll and and the whole crew that's putting this together because it's already been so creative and wild that now they just have more agency to be even more creative and wild. And so uh, I'm optimistic about this, and I think it's going to take the show to some crazy fucking places, and I'm excited to to watch that. Um, maybe it'll get lame, we'll see, but uh, I have high hopes for this, and I'm just glad that I can count on more Big Mouth, because that's honestly one of my favorite shows <laughs> that's going on. More Mouth! Um, one of my Sounds favorite like... shows that's going on right now. <laughs> You saying it's it's you saying it sounds like you saying that you can uh, it's good that you can count on Big Mouth sounds like you're talking about like an ex girlfriend or something. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I. Uh, you know what? Not gonna not gonna touch that one. Um, let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Um, let's see. I think that's all we have for TV news. So we're gonna swap over to movies, and uh, we're gonna start by making the quota. <laughs> What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! Alright, if you're new around here, uh, this game is pretty simple. Seth has a quote from a film. I need to figure out what movie and what character uh, said this quote. So, uh, Seth, what do you got for us this week? Alright. Somebody overcooked the soft pretzel. My dick is hard. That's what I'm saying. Give me five minutes. Um, <laughs> you just threw me off so bad because you usually say, okay, here's the quote, and then you start. <laughs> so I was like, what the fuck is he talking about a hard pretzel? I asked for a quote, and then I started to realize, oh, this is the quote. Will you read it again, please? <laughs> Somebody overcooked the soft pretzel. My dick is hard. 
That's what I'm saying. Give me five minutes. Wow. Um, I, are, is that accent part of it, or is that, are you? I don't know. I just did, I just editorial to do that. Okay. I was like, that's that's throwing me off. Um, okay, so it's not ringing any immediate bells, um, but I do have a couple guesses um, because I know that last week we had a quote. I think this was last week. We had a quote from Baywatch. And it was Zac Efron's character in Baywatch. So I'm going to narrow down to Zac Efron movies, and I'm going to start by guessing Neighbors. No! It's not Neighbors. Okay. Um, why am I just blanking completely on Zac Efron's entire career? <laughs> oh, my God. Is it Neighbors 2? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, is it... Uh, oh, is it um, That Awkward Moment? No. Ah, fuck. Um, let's see. I thought I was more familiar with Zac Efron's filmography, but I guess I'm not. And ones that are vulgar, especially? Is this from... Oh! Oh, 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 um... That one with that fucking little guy. That's funny. Um... Oh my <laughs> god! I can picture the two guys. It's the two brothers, and they're going... To, uh, Mike and Dave need wedding dates? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then it's gotta be Adam Devine, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. That movie, yeah. I, actually, I did not expect much out of that movie, but I did really enjoy that one. Yeah, that was a funny one. I forgot entirely about that quote. That's one I don't think I've gone back to. Maybe but maybe I've seen it once since we saw it in theaters. Um, mm-hmm. But those guys make a pretty good combo, for sure. Oh, yeah. That was that was a fun... I'm not a big fan of uh, Adam Devine, but yeah, that, that, that was a good one. And the entire cast was really funny. Uh, those two, and then uh, Aubrey Plaza and uh, Anna Kendrick. We're all, both in it, too. That was funny. Yeah, that was a pretty banging cast. The only thing... Hey, I, I'm with you on Adam Devine. I, I don't totally love him. Um, and they, I think he's one of those guys... You talked about this with Kamel Nanjiani uh, in Stuber, where they just let him go so much. Mm-hmm. And some people need to be reined in a little bit. I think Adam Devine is that way. He, he gets way deep down into his shit. And in that movie, they're letting him like spit up on himself and cry in stupid ways and do all that kind of shit like too much. It gets yep. a little self-indulgent, and that—that that I think is that the same issue that you have with his stuff usually. Yeah, he just—he's just, just kind of crazy, and and I, a lot of people love the workaholic stuff, and I just never understood it. It's just like people—people people like these dumb, like Trailer Park Boys, and now this Letter Kenny show, like just these dumb, like these dumb for the sake of being really dumb. And I like dumb shit, I really do, but like I don't know, I I just don't get some of it. Like it's just very, it's just like someone hit their head really hard it's like someone it's it's like shows on concussions like tv shows and movies where they're just concussed the entire like that's how they're acting i just can't i can't get behind it yeah there is certainly a line and i also don't like trailer park boys but it has a, it has a lot of fans and mm-hmm. um i i feel a little I, I don't know i feel a little left out of that whole thing but I don't know. I'm with you. I'm not willing to stoop to the level of, of Adam Devine most of the time. I, I do like some Workaholics episodes, but they get they get pretty fucking ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. But there is the occasional movie where he gets reeled in and, and is a little more under control. And um, I think he's very capable. So um, I don't know. I, I'm sure there will come a day when I, when I really like some of his stuff. But there hasn't been much that... that I've really dug about him, but I guess we'll we'll probably get a, a look into other items from his filmography next week um, when we return to this segment, which is called Making the Quota. 
What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! All right. Uh, we got a few pieces of movie news that I'm, I'm very excited to talk about, and then we're going to get into an interesting topic um, revolving around uh, one of the movies that came out this week. So let's, let's jump into movies. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. I want to start with the biggest piece of news to come out this year. Um, this week, uh, actually, as today, as of a recording, you... Uh, you can go out to the store and you can pick up the Blu-ray, which has finally been released, the most anticipated Blu-ray probably of all year. Alita Battle Angel is oh available God. on Blu-ray. <laughs> you can go pick it up in stores and uh, experience the magic of Alita and the comfort of your own home. And I would strongly suggest everyone do that uh, because that movie is, uh, as you know, one of the top ten movies of the year so far. And um, I think it's important that as many people see it as, as is possible. Are you picking that one up? Uh, no, but I do think I have audio of when you picked it up at the store today. Uh, let, let's let's cut to that. Oh man, look, it's that's Alita. Oh man, it's it's on sale, nineteen ninety nine. Target. I love you. <laughs> Here's the actual audio. I said, "Oh look, there's Alita." Give me what I want. And I bought that shit right away. <laughs> Uh, I actually haven't bought a copy of Alita Battle Angel yet, but I do plan to. Mostly out of spite for you and Jared because you disrespected that movie. And I will not fucking have anyone disrespecting Alita. It's probably not even on your top ten anymore after <laughs> after the movies you've seen you know, since then. It's, uh, <laughs> that's a conversation we'll revisit. Um, there, there's, been a, there's been some shuffling around in my top ten, but uh, I, I assure you that Alita deserves to be in anyone's top ten. And uh, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it, Check it out on VOD or pick up, you know, just go pick up a 4K Blu-ray. It's only 30 bucks, and uh, and it's worth it's worth the pickup, I think. Um, so, yeah, go buy Alita. And that's it for movie news. We will uh, talk to you guys. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, a couple other things to talk about. And uh, uh, you have some mystery news. I don't know what it is. I don't want to save that for last. Um, second piece of news that I've got. Uh, if you're not aware, and if you haven't been listening to the show for very long, uh, we're always keeping track of these movie subscription services, and uh, we've been kind of chronicling the saga of MoviePass, and um, did I say chronicling? Chronicling. You did, you did say chronicling. <laughs> chronicling. Uh, we've, chroni- chroni- <laughs> we've been chronicling the saga of, chronicling. of Cinemia. Chronicling. Chronicling. Chronicling? There's not a coling. It's chronicling. Uh-huh. Chronicle. Chronicling. Wait, so what it would you say crackling or crackling? Crackling. Hmm. I don't know about this. <laughs> Weigh in on Twitter and Facebook, people. <laughs> well, I know one thing for fucking sure. It's not chronicking. <laughs> <laughs> You're right about that. It's not. This is me tonight. The, uh... I don't know how to fucking talk. Um, chronicling. We have been chronic. If I, if back I had to a goddamn. If I had a goddamn soundboard, I would take chronicking out <laughs> and insert that into every fucking thing I could. Let's. Uh, you want to be the editor? I, I would be glad to to give you the power to do that. Even if I was the editor, it wouldn't change the fact that I don't have a soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. What, maybe when you're out here, I can uh, I can give you control of the soundboard. Oh um, God! For, for that it, episode, you won't you won't even have to be there. It's just me hitting the fucking buttons for. This two is what hours. it would sound like. <laughs> 
that would pretty much be the show. Yeah. Um, it'd be an easy one though. So I, I, I say we do it. Um, back to the fucking point I was trying to make. Holy cow. Um, <laughs> We have been chronicling the saga of MoviePass, Cinemia. Uh, we've been talking about, um, uh, what's the new one with the ads? Pre-show. Pre-show. We've been talking about that. And, uh, and a new contender has entered the fray. And I am very excited about this because my local theater here in Bend, Oregon is a Regal Theater. Regal has now announced its own subscription service uh, that is similar to what you'll find at AMC right now. Uh, for between $18 and $24 a month, depending on your location. Uh, unlimited movie tickets. Not, not one per day, unlimited. So you can go to multiple showings a day. You can't buy multiple tickets to the same show, obviously, but um, multiple showings per day, which is something that we've never seen on these uh, services. Maybe Cinemia. No, not Cinemia. Wouldn't let you do it. Um, so that's a really cool addition because I like to do a double feature. And, um, you know, at that price point for me, it's $21 here in Bend, Oregon. And, you know, if I get two tickets in a month, I've already saved a little bit of money. And what's great about the Regal one is that you've also get, you also get discounted, uh, concessions, 10% off, which is pretty cool. And then they're, I think going to be adding some potential, um, Regal unlimited, uh, special screenings of certain things. So there are some, there are a little more perks, than what you'll see at, on some of these other services. But I think it's most closely um, rela- or similar to AMC's um, Stubbs A-list. So I am very excited about this. Uh, Seth, your theater isn't a Regal, um, so you obviously can't take advantage of this. But for the Regal fans out there, uh, I would say definitely check this out. My Regal theater is a fantastic one here in Bend. And so uh, I'm very stoked about this, and I, I will certainly report back on my my experience as as things go on, uh, especially as we reported a couple weeks ago. MoviePass is kind of, as they say, um, indefinitely shut down. So we'll see if they ever come back. But uh, I'm very stoked on Regal. It was rumored for a long time, and now it's finally here. So if you are a Regal patron, I would strongly suggest checking out Regal Unlimited uh, and getting that. So I'm I'm pumped. I've been waiting on it for a long time. I sent you and Jared a text when it when it finally released. Um, so I'm I'm hopeful that this is my this is finally the one I can count on for some amount of time. So yeah, I'm pretty pumped. You know what's going to happen is uh, Regal is offering this, and everyone's going to take advantage of it like did they did for Movie Pass, and then just Regal theaters in general is going to shut down, and then you won't have any movie theater and bend. Oh, that would be the end of me. <laughs> I'd walk out into the desert and just perish. <laughs> well. I mean, I hope they fail, because I hear that their fucking cheeseburgers are subpar there. Here so. we fucking go with the cheeseburgers. <laughs> Jesus. You got to get out here and try them. I think it's going to blow your mind. Do they have cheeseburgers at your theater? Yeah, they do. Do they? Yeah. I think right. they got all the food. I added some tacos there that aren't bad. Okay. Um, so. All right. Well, I'm going to try a cheeseburger before It Chapter 2, and then once Pennywise comes and scares me, I'm going to throw it up all over you. That, because it's going to taste like garbage, so... Here we go with the garbage. They um, stay tuned because we are going to keep track of this. Okay, we're going to be chronicking the uh, saga of, <laughs> of Seth and the movie theater cheeseburger. Uh, so keep tuning in, and we're gonna we're gonna keep you up to date on, on what goes on there. Uh, check out Regal Unlimited. I'll link to it in the description box if you uh, if you, it's available in your area and you can check it out. High recommend from me, um, even though I haven't really used it yet. But the price point makes sense, and the benefits are dope. And the way it works in the app is is super seamless. So. Um, so do that. 
this last piece of news, all I know is that it's related to uh, your favorite film series of all time. Uh, other than that, what, what's, what's the news here, Seth? The news? You want to hear the news? Yes, please. The news is that Sylvester Stallone is working on Rocky Seven. Oh, Christ. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, Rocky Seven is, he's he uh, talked to the studio about it, and they said, go ahead and write it, and we'll see. And so he's wanting to write a story about, uh, basically, he's going to kind of write off the topic of immigration. He's going to have a fighter. He's, he's uh, trained who uh, basically has to deal with immigration now. So, Rocky Seven. What? Yeah. Yeah. Wait. He's done with Creed. No more Creed. Well, that seems silly because Creed is the dopest. Um, But. Well, Creed's on his own. Creed doesn't need Rocky anymore. He's his own man. Yeah, I guess that's fair. So, Rocky's he's back to his story. Him and his son, now that they're reunited, they're going to go out and start training some fighters. And they're gonna have to deal with the with ice. They're gonna beat up ice together. <laughs> now that I would see. <laughs> I don't, I I don't think. See. I don't think he's gonna get back in the ring. I don't think that's gonna happen. But well, he's seventy three years old, so I fucking hope not. Well, I mean, he's gonna be stabbing people and and Rambo at the end of the year. So God, that looks so bad. You don't, you don't think you don't think he could go out there and and uh, throw a couple throw a couple left hooks and beat immigration. <laughs> He's going to punch the wall down. That's what he's going to do. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, You know me. I'm always down for some Rocky. And, you know, uh, other than Rocky V, he's at least delivered in some shape or form. So, you know what? I, I'm, I'm in. I'm totally in. <laughs> I have an article here. This is a quote from Stallone. Uh, Rocky meets a young, angry person who got stuck in this country when he comes to see his sister. He takes him into his life, and unbelievable adventures begin. And they wind up south of the border. It's very, very timely. Yep. What a redonkulous fucking thing to say about Rocky movie. <laughs> this is, a, <laughs> well, I mean, I, we'll see, dude. And I, I know I was not, I was very skeptical about Creed 2 bringing back uh, Drago. This and sounds even Creed like, 1. This so, and Creed 1. This sounds like a shark jump, if I've ever heard of one. <laughs> That was Rocky Five. They already jumped. They jumped the shark a long time ago with Rocky Five. So, you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just I'm gonna go go along with the ride just like I have every other time. And I've only been led astray once, and I was uh, in high school, so that that uh, misfire didn't matter as much to me then. So, this this is gonna be awesome. And I think they're still planning to do more Creeds. I think Brian Coogler is trying to get back involved with it. So. That that'll be a separate thing. That'll be weird without Sly, without having Rocky and their relationship. That's one of my favorite parts. But uh, you know, I, if they keep if they keep this Rocky universe going, man. Uh, Sly's also talked about too wanting to do a prequel, uh, a prequel, <laughs> a prequel Rocky. Good series. God, man, for real? Uh, uh, like a TV series? <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> that wouldn't make a ton of sense because he had like a bunch of losses before becoming Rocky, like the super superstar. And someone on, I heard this on like a podcast where he was talking about it and someone had mentioned like, what is they just going to show him in high school being like, the math doesn't add up. Like he's freaking out about math questions. (laughs) So I don't know. Like I, again, anything that they do of Rocky, I'm going to watch. It doesn't matter. I, 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 I will consume it all, but 
You know what? What the hell is that? A gentleman with a large button. penis just drove by my house. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm in 100%. Give me more Rocky. I don't care where it comes from. If it comes south of the border, north of the border, Russia, Japan, I don't care. Give me all the Rocky. God. Just like he solved the Russia conflict back in the 80s. He's going to solve immigration today. He, he Man, he did. What kind really of fucking... Ser- this guy seriously sits at home and goes, well, hey, yo, what can I punch? And he <laughs> wants... To, it can't just be a bigger guy he wants to punch. He's got to punch fucking social justice. Like, I'm all for social <laughs> justice in movies, but like, hey, yo, I'm going to punch ice in the face. Like, that's such a fucking weird... <laughs> Why does he think like that? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> because he gets paid for it. It's a boxing movie, and he'd be like, "Hey, yo, it's not about boxing, though. No, it's about it's more than that. It's about something real, and it's fucking not. It's about boxing. <laughs> Just give me a boxing movie." Well, they they also somehow turned those Fast and the Furious movies to about family, so to be oh, about God. family. So I mean, movies movies have more than a message than just you know driving cars and hitting people in the face, man. It's about immigration and family. You know what movie doesn't? John Wick. And you know what other movie doesn't? That's Mission true. Impossible. And those are the two best movies to ever come out. So mm. uh, you don't need I to don't message I th- people. I think that the Mission Impossible movies are mostly about Tom Cruise's ego. So I think... Yeah, which is awesome. <laughs> I will stroke Tom Cruise's ego all the live long day if it means I get to watch him hang out of fucking airplanes for, for more <laughs> movies. Well... He's no, he's he's not even half the action hero that Sylvester Stallone is. So, me and you are gonna fight. <laughs> also, if, if, if I if I wasn't the editor, what I would definitely do is I would cut myself off back there where I said I would stroke Tom Cruise. <laughs> 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 but I am the editor, so you'll never hear that again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if 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 Sly lives long enough to get that thing out. Um, hey man, don't we'll wish run. that. I'm not wishing anything. I'm just saying. It takes a few years to make a movie. Dude's gonna be seventy five probably before production starts. Well, so. he still has to make he still has to make uh another expendables that's coming out. So it'll yeah, it'll be a few years. Man. These guys just I mean, good for, good on him for not for like continuing to work and stuff. But um yeah, I don't know how necessary there's a longer discussion to be had about whether or not they should keep going with the same franchise or if he should just write something about a different guy whose name is, like, Ricky, and he can do anything else ever <laughs> in the world. Except, yo, I'm going to punch stuff in the face. Like, I don't know. It's, like I said, that's a longer discussion. Rocky Seven. Uh, I think the biggest news is that people can go buy Alita. I think of, of the things that we mentioned today, that, that is the one piece that I want you guys to, 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 to keep and to stick with you. And uh, go pick up Alita Battle Angel right now on Blu-ray. That's it for the the uh, the news portion. But we, we did have a, kind of a topic we wanted to talk about here uh, in the movie section. Because we went and saw uh, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And we're going to review that a little bit later on. Um, and, and for some folks who may not know, uh, the setting of that movie is 1969 in Hollywood. And nice. a, a part... <laughs> oh man, I, I missed the... Here we go. 69. 69. <laughs> we find in Hollywood at that time, uh, if some folks didn't know, there, there's a famous murder that happens that's related to the Manson family in that year, around that, you know, in that area, around that time. And this is something that Tarantino does a lot of where he sets his films 
uh, alongside a historical event. Uh, Inglorious Bastards is another big one. It's set during World War II. There's some Nazi stuff going on. And the interesting thing, and Django, of course, as well, uh, set during, during, uh, during slave times in the U.S. So what Tarantino likes to do is take, take history, take historical figures and events, and kind of weave them in and out of his, his stories that he's telling. And uh, in, in most cases, they don't go exactly like you expected. There's some tweaks to the story for convenience and for drama. And the thing that we were wondering about that is, is that cool? Uh, you know, for, for Tarantino to take these uh, historical events that have facts that we're aware of and, you know, alter the facts to his convenience uh, so that it fits a good story. Um, and I think, like, for me... In Django Unchained, it's my favorite example of this because he, he <laughs> takes he takes a slave and really empowers him, and then he mm-hmm. murders a fucking bunch of slave people or slave owners <laughs> with him. So I really like it when it's it's used to like empower the previously disenfranchised. I think in Glorious Bastards that is, does that as well, um, but it's a little different when it's a murder that happened. Like there's a person mm-hmm. who got murdered here, and that person's got family. Um, one of the other Damn. items that they're talking about this week, uh, Bruce Lee is featured in this movie, and mm-hmm. he's used to, to comedic effect very effectively, I would add. Uh, and his his family is not stoked about how he was used here. Uh, and we see this happen a lot in biopics and different things where, you know, the facts were changed and moved around to make for drama. And um, I'm curious, Seth, what, what are you what are your thoughts on what's okay to change and what's not okay to change? Um, and, and does what Tarantino does as compared to other, uh, directors and other, other films, um, what are some of the things that you look at and you look for when, when there's a historical show or movie that's not exactly following the events as they happened? Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a difference between something like, like the examples that come to my head are like with Tarantino where he kind of takes liberties and changes, changes things as as they actually happen versus like reimagining something mm-hmm. so like my examples there are Tarantino and like that show Man in the High Castle where the entire premise is based off of what if the Nazis won type thing right mm-hmm. and so like that that's that's the entire thing whereas like Tarantino has a story he's telling not about like for example Inglorious Bastards it's the story isn't about Hitler. It's about this group of people that he's mm-hmm. writing about and telling a story about. And the, the whole Hitler thing where Hitler, they kill Hitler is kind of something that just happens, uh, you know, that runs along parallel to it, essentially. And so I guess I could see where people have problems with it, especially like for me with uh, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'll talk about that a little bit later on. But I was I, I didn't 100 percent know what was real and what wasn't and so i was having a hard time keeping my head out of like oh this is real and this isn't (laughs) you know and so it was it was it was kind of hurting my i wouldn't say enjoyment of the movie but it was hurting my hurting me from getting into the movie 100 percent like i wanted to but like something like man in the high castle that's the entire premise so i know that going into it you know like this is completely different and also i'm not completely familiar with like the story of the Manson murders. I thought I knew something differently than I did, even when I looked it up afterwards. So I don't know, like I don't have a problem with it. I get why people would, but for me, the way I look at it, like 
this is that person's art. This is what they're going for. This is what they're writing. And as long as they're not doing it in an insensitive way, which I don't think Tarantino has done, I don't think this is none of it. I don't think any of it was meant to be insensitive. I think he was just trying to tell a story and was doing it in, in the way he thought uh, was the the most entertaining or the most impactful for him. Um, I, I don't I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I think I would agree. Yeah, the the risk you run is when you use. I mean, no one's going to be upset that you blew up Hitler, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, right. but um, when it's actual people that, that people still have family and stuff like that, um, we, we heard about this recently with the Tolkien movie that came out and his family kind of came out and disavowed that movie and saying it wasn't mm-hmm. true and stuff like that. So do you think it's different well, that... when, when there are people around who remember that person and know, like, is it, is it? Is it within the right of the filmmaker to change events and change the personality or the actions of actual people who their family can say, this wasn't happening and this feels disrespectful to me? Do you think those people have ground to stand on? Well, I think that's different. I think the the idea of the Tolkien movie, which was meant to be a, a, a fantastical biopic about the person, it's meant to tell the story of his life. Whereas, like, with Tarantino and the Sharon Tate or Tarantino and the Hitler, Tarantino and the slave thing, that's – the movie isn't about those people. Oh, sure. It's about a person within the story or it's about people within the story. And in the case of, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth, they're not real people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they, they – he was writing a fictional story about these people – they were based off other people, but he's writing a fictional story about these people that coincides with the story of Sharon Tate, the most famous thing that happened in you know the late 60s, early 70s. So could he have written it not and not included Sharon Tate and all that? Sure. And I get why people you know, were upset about how some of that was handled or upset or if the family was upset that he did it in the first place. I can get that. I can understand that. But at the same time, I think that's different than like your Tolkien thing where they changed. This was supposed to be a story about his life and they changed. And I didn't see this movie, so I have no idea. But uh, if they changed certain aspects about his life because they wanted to tell a better movie and it wasn't completely true or uh, was even harmful to his legacy or whatever, then that's a different story. If someone's doing that to try and make a better movie as opposed to like, hey, I'm going into this to make a, a true life biopic, then I think that's an issue. Yeah, so I think, and, and that that is an aha for me um, because I, what I'm thinking is Tarantino never said this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Tolkien movie, in a way, by being a biopic is saying this is this guy's life and it's untrue. So what Tarantino does is it, he never ever says this is what happened. Um, and so do you think that's the difference? Because he's not coming from a place of here's the truth that I've altered. It's here's this wacky thing I did with people who you happen to know. Is that the mm-hmm. difference for you that he you're aware of it going in that this isn't going to be the exact true telling and he doesn't he'd never expect it that way? For me, yes. And and again, even going into that, that's uh, in, in, into going going into, excuse me, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, I like Again, I knew that Sharon Tate was murdered in real life, and I was wondering what he was going to do because, again, obviously in in *Inglorious Bastards*, Hitler dies uh, at the he's murdered, <laughs> and that didn't happen in real life. So, like, I that that's a trend with Tarantino, and so I knew that going in just just by Tarantino's nature, I knew having him with him doing things like this in the past, I kind of knew something different was going to happen in this movie. Uh, again, I was still not fully. Uh, I, I should have probably done some research beforehand to know exactly what happened. 
so that I could kind of, it, it would have probably helped with my understanding and enjoyment of the movie a little bit. Cause I was searching the entire time. But again, um, I, I think that's that, that is the difference because Tarantino has set the precedent in the past that, Hey, I'm just making a movie about these characters the, you know, there, there might be some historical things I want to throw in here, but it's all to tell a story and it's not going to be an accurate telling of what actually happened. So, yeah, I mean, I do have problems with, with when biopics or shows about real people, when they are, when things are switched that, that I know about, like that, that does take away from my enjoyment of the movie or the show because I want to see what actually happened. You know, if, if I'm going into this to see a real biopic about, you know, if, if someone made a Stone Cold Steve Austin biopic and they made him, instead of from Texas, they made him from New York. That's going to completely change his story, and for and and that would make me upset, you know. So, same thing like with that Tolkien thing. If people are big fans of Tolkien and they've read every, you know, biography biography about Tolkien, and they change, you know, five things about his life in the movie, they're going to be upset. But mm-hmm. with the Tarantino thing, it's a work of fiction, and he has set a precedent in the past that you shouldn't expect this to be a historically accurate thing. Sure. So even even with that said. Um, what he's doing here is he's saying Bruce Lee, let's use Bruce Lee as an example, mm-hmm. is a character in this movie and I'm going to fictionalize Bruce Lee the way that I want to. Mm-hmm. Is there, is that something that is supposed to come with you being a celebrity? Like that, that someone should be able to just do that with your likeness and and sort of twist you around like that? I think that's part of what is specifically Bruce Lee's family is upset about is he really just took Bruce Lee's image and his name and maybe he paid the family. I don't know, but kind of just used him the way that he wanted to. Do you have any problem with, with that, with, with actual historical people becoming these, these characters with whom, uh, the filmmaker gets to take whatever liberties he wants, even, even though he's warned, you know, this isn't necessarily true, but he is still, you know, if I made a movie and the Seth in it was, you know, his favorite movie was Alita Battle Angel. Do you and your family have a right to be upset with me because I've characterized you in this hyper-hilarious fashion for for my own benefit? Oh, of course. That movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, again, I can see why people would be upset, and I can't say that I, you know, wouldn't... If someone, you know, turned me into a, a cartoon of what I am, and I'm a cartoon as it is, but if someone if someone made me, like... If someone made me into a shitty person and I don't feel like I should be a shitty person in that movie, then yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be upset. And I, uh, you know, I could see why in, I can see a little bit why people would be upset or why family would be upset about Bruce Lee, uh, for the way he is depicted in that movie. But, uh, yeah, again, for, I, th- I think for something like this, where it is completely a work of fiction, I, I, I think there's, for me, I would have to look at it. Again, it would depend on what they do, but I, I think that that's something to to weigh into it as well. Is you know, is this is this a, a work of fiction or is this meant to be a biopic? And is this how he actually perceives me, or is this something he just did to uh, help tell a story? Mm-hmm. I think this gets at something that you see a lot in things like Saturday Night Live, South Park, um, mm-hmm. The Simpsons, and I think what it comes down to is, do you have a sense of humor about it? You know, like mm-hmm. uh, some people come out and get pissed when South Park does something with them. Some people come out and say that it's hilarious. But I think at some point it is about having a sense of humor and being able to to remove yourself from that character that they've obviously, you know, they've made a caricature. Even even, you know, they do a lot of Trump on SNL and he gets pissed because he doesn't have a sense of humor about it. But like they're very obviously cartoon it cartoonicizing him. 
and uh, and that's what they've done with Bruce Lee here. And I think at some point there is room for the person or the family to say, okay, I see what you did there. It's for comedy reasons. Um, I understand what you're doing and that that isn't reflective of what you think of them as a person. Um, so I think that the way that it's received is also important. I've never been put in that situation, so I don't know how I would react if it was me. But mm-hmm. And it's easy for us to say, oh, have a sense of humor about your dead grandpa and us making fun of him in this movie. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't think either of us have the perspective to really say, like, what's the proper way to handle it? But but different people do handle it in different ways. And this isn't new. Um, it's been happening since satire has existed. Um, and it's it almost seems like one of those things that as a celebrity you have to be willing to put up with, you know, people jacking mm-hmm. your likeness for the sake of comedy. Yeah, and and I think the other thing too that I that I've seen this week is that a lot of people were upset with how the Manson family was was handled in the movie mm-hmm. in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I think that I I think that is pretty <laughs> ridiculous. I it's just again it's not a historically accurate thing, and why would you want to glorify a family like that? You mm-hmm. know. Um, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say spoilers. So I'm not giving anything away about that movie, but you know, they're they're not handled in you know a serious way in this movie, and I think that's that's good in a way. I mean, yeah, it, there's there's been other movies. I know a, a, I saw I've, I saw it on VOD. I didn't watch it, but I saw it was there, and I've seen some people kind of compare it this week. But there was a movie that came out a couple months ago that I was trying to capitalize on. Uh, again, the 50 year, 50 year anniversary of her death, as well as this uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood coming out. But it's the the haunting of Sharon Tate, which uh, was starred Hillary Duff. <laughs> and uh, oh God, really? Yeah, it was like a straight to VOD release. I gotta get but, my hands on this. <laughs> well, they in this they they do. It's a horror movie. They they apparently have like jump scares and ghost visions and stuff. Uh, prior to her being murdered, and then I think they show the murder and stuff. I I didn't see it, so I don't know if they show that. But I I did read that there was some like uh, ghost visions and jump scares and stuff. So it was just basically a capitalization for a quick buck for this going on, and like that that to me seems way more disrespectful just disrespectful of her legacy compared to you know like what Tarantino did in that movie, and and you know not not glorifying it and not romanticizing the Manson family like that to me that I don't know I I hate I hate the internet sometimes <laughs> and seeing these seeing these discussions uh where people where where people take someone's art and especially when someone's doing it not fo- solely focused on that and really trying to focus on something they can make a negative headline out of I just think that that to me is kind of pushing the line Mm-hmm. when it comes to what he was going for. Right. And and in, in Tarantino's case, he's not using this to get publicity. You know, like mm-hmm. Tarantino's movie is going to have publicity regardless. This Haunting of Sharon Tate, I just pulled it up uh, straight to VOD. It's got a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. uh, and it's Hillary Duff. Clearly they're using the name to sell tickets or to get people mm-hmm. to stream this. And that that does seem gross. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I agree with you. It's somehow it seems like that's not what Tarantino's doing here. And some people may disagree um, with that fact, but or with that opinion. But um, it seems less gross to me than what he does. And and I think that the aha for me is is um, what you said is he he never presents anything as this is actually what happened. And mm-hmm. you know when you think about Saturday Night Live and South Park and The Simpsons, and we've always been okay with those things. Um, 
I think that there's room for this to happen. It's just going to be a matter of how it's received by family. And, and Tarantino and everyone who does that stuff has to be prepared for the families and the people themselves to come out and be pissed. You know, uh, it's not yeah. something where like if, if Bruce Lee comes out and says, Hey, Tarantino, fuck you, dude, that was uncool. What you did with Bruce Lee. He can't <laughs> say, uh, Oh, quit being such a PC 2019 person. Uh, have, have a thicker skin. You pussy. Like he doesn't get, you don't get to say <laughs> that. You don't get to decide what offends people, but you do have to mm-hmm. be prepared for them to be offended. So, and he is, he always has been. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, this is an interesting topic that I think um, certainly we're not going to get to the bottom of today, but I, I do really want to hear folks' opinions uh, for, from those who are out there listening. Uh, let us know on Facebook or on Twitter at Soco Show Pod. What, you, what do you think of this? Do you think that uh, famous folks should, should be just open to their likenesses being used for other reasons, or, or uh, should Tarantino be, um, be sticking more true to historical events in his films and, and anything in between? Uh, love to hear your thoughts on that. So uh, let, it, let us know. Uh, of course, on the social media, you might want to. If you're going to tweet about it, you might want to wait for a couple of days till I, you know, after safety mode is is uh, is gone. <laughs> you won't get a response from Seth for a few days, but you can still tweet at him. <laughs> or uh, just tweet at you have to tweet at tweet at me after uh, after uh, like 4:30 p.m. Central Time. Then then you might get a response. There you go. Wait for Seth to get back on the Wi-Fi so you can get responses. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That's good stuff. We're going to come back to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and review it later on. Uh, But for now, we're going to move on. And uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has also inspired this week's edition of Mambo Number 5. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo Number 5. It has been always a hugely popular um, topic of movies and of TV. Uh, This idea that we're, we're watching filmmakers or we're watching TV makers or comics or dancers or singers... Uh, so we're going we're gonna to count down some of our favorite uh, movies and TV shows that are about show business. And I'm really stoked for this list because I love this genre. And I think you do too. Um, you know, being movie fans like we are, anytime you can see kind of behind the scenes into what goes into um, making something like this. And for me specifically, get, getting to see an actor act as an actor acting uh, is really fascinating <laughs> to me. And uh, and everything in uh, in these lists is going to have stuff like that. So we have movies and TV that are about show business. Uh, and I'm stoked to hear what your list is. I have mine. I think we might have a couple in common, but um, I think uh-huh. there will be some surprises as well. Number five. So I am going to start off with um, a show from HBO that I know you have loved. We've raved about it on this show, and it's Barry. And um, Okay. It's uh, the, the, the showbiz part of this is that Barry is, is an actor and um, more specifically uh, his love interest in the show whose name is escaping me right now. She is a little bit more serious actor and she's doing tryouts and things. And what you get to see from her uh, where she's acting as an actor acting is really fascinating to me. <laughs> and Barry is great for a bunch of other reasons, but specifically the part about the acting is really, really fascinating to me, and I love watching that. And you get a ton of it in Barry, so that's why I have it on the list. Um, it's it's a better show than like if it, if this was a ranking of shows and how much I enjoyed the show on the whole, it would feature more mm-hmm. high on my list. But I'm I'm specifically looking at the aspect of the you know in this case the acting, um, and so that's why it's number five for me. But I love Barry; it's probably my favorite thing on TV right now. So uh, I had to include it here. Well, I did. I did uh, when I came up with my list. I, I did kind of a 
I did a combination. It was it it for me. It's like how I enjoyed it, but it includes show business. I didn't I didn't necessarily do just acting either. I did uh, about making stuff as well. Sure. So uh, it's just you know general show business stuff. But uh, my number five is a movie about a movie being made, uh, and that is Jansen and Bob Strike Back. <laughs> <laughs> and they're trying to go stop that movie from being made. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of uh, movie, and this is like an early on, uh, like before comic book movies were being made. But it's about them trying to stop a comic movie, comic book movie being made. And they, I mean, they have they they end up going to like the, some of the lots and stuff, and and running into different sets and things. And uh, they have a lot of a ton of cameos in this, and uh they have like Gus von Gus von Sant does, does a cameo who's a uh, director of like uh uh goodwill hunting and stuff like that so like just like they they it's they show a lot of behind the scenes stuff in this through making the movie so it's kind of fun number 4 this is a movie from just a couple of years ago uh that was oscar nominated and was way better than it had any business being uh the disaster artist which oh, shit. is based on the making of the movie The Room. And one. this was a yep. phenomenon for that year. Like, The Room made this huge comeback and was touring around. Uh, you have James Franco and Dave Franco and their whole crew um, doing the Tommy Wiseau and the <laughs> Greg Sestero. Uh, and this is, this is an entire movie about making a movie, and it is fucking yep. great. It is so uh, funny. It's uh, If you have the inside knowledge of what The Room ends up being... It is so rewarding to watch, and I haven't—I honestly haven't gone back to this one since I watched it. But I really do want to because it is yep. hysterical. I would highly recommend people watch the room and then watch the Disaster Artist. But this is as uh-huh. good as it gets because they get into every aspect of the filmmaking in this and this really like gut-bustingly hilarious way. And um, the characters are in here are so wacky and. It's the, it's the story of a bad film being made, so it's it's just built for comedy, and they did such a great job with it. I uh, as I as I blow it right now, I, I think maybe I should have had it even higher on my list because it is it's so great. If people haven't seen it, you have mm-hmm. to you have to check it out. God, I, I should have included it. I completely forgot about it. Uh, that probably would be that probably would have bumped uh, probably would have bumped Jane Silent Bob off for sure. But uh, yeah, that 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 is a great one. Uh, my number four is one that may be on your list. It's probably the only one we we would share, to be honest. But uh, Tropic Thunder. You know that as as much as you said, oh crap, I should have had Disaster Artist. Should have fucking had Tropic Thunder because <laughs> I love that's that's maybe my favorite comedy ever made, and it that's is so hilarious, good. and especially the filmmaking yep. part of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all about making a movie, the entire thing, and like Robert Downey Jr. doing his his method acting is <laughs> in blackface. He's act so Downey Jr. is an actor acting as an actor who's acting as an actor. Like yeah. his, it's weirdly meta how how many layers that character has, and somehow it's yeah. not offensive. I don't know why. <laughs> it should and be he very got nominated offensive. for an Oscar. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. But yeah, that movie's great. It's so funny and like. There's you know, tons of character, tons of character work here, but like some, re- some really good acting too. I mean, Tom Cruise as Les Grossman is incredible, and uh, yeah, it's just just a great movie overall. Les Grossman is Tom Cruise's second best character after Ethan Hunt. <laughs> now his first best is playing Austin Powers for five seconds in Goldmember. <laughs> 
number three. So I've talked about this show before here and reviewed it, and it's a high recommend. Also on HBO, uh, it's a comedy called Crashing. And it's about Pete Holmes trying to make it in stand-up in New York City. And, you know, I'm a stand-up comic, so I love getting to see sort of the inner world of stand-up comedy in different places. And it gives you what what seems to be a a relatively true, um, relatively true-to-life vision of the scene. And you get sort of the highs and lows of his kind of fledgling career and and you get to see what goes on with him. Show is also fucking hilarious and also surprisingly dramatic in some really cool ways. It got canceled after three seasons, but it still does have, I think, a satisfying ending, uh, even though I don't think they expected to get canceled. But Crashing is a high recommend uh, on HBO if you have access. And, and if, especially if you're into stand-up comedy or if you are a stand-up comic, uh, it's really rewarding to watch and get to see the ins and outs of some joke writing and, and some of the feedback and banter between the comics in this is, is really fun stuff. Uh, my number three is also uh, about comedy a little bit. Uh, it's uh, Funny People, the Joe Dapaton mm. movie. Uh, and this one is uh, a little bit more encompassing, not just stand-up, but also uh, movies and TV and stuff, because uh, Adam Sandler in this one, he plays uh, a failed, or not failed, but uh, uh, I guess down down towards the bottom of his career uh, stand-up who went into acting, kind of like you know he did for a little bit where he... I mean, at Sandler's never been like super down, down where people have not liked him. I guess people have not liked his movies, but he's always kind of been like someone people liked. And in this one, he plays a guy who's like very. He kind of becomes unlikable and depressed and stuff like that. But uh, and it's about him kind of getting back into stand up and and reju- rejuvenating his career through uh, Seth Rogen's character uh, Ira Weiner. <laughs> Ira <laughs> Weiner. <laughs> Uh, but I love this movie. It, it's it came up uh, on uh, the the movie trivia schmodown that we watch. It was a question, and uh, I just thought about it. And it, I already had it on my list, but it kind of moved up because it's one I've watched uh, several times. And I just I, I really like this one. I know this one didn't land with you, but uh, as mu- as much. But I, I've always really had just something for it. Uh, it's kind of one of those first movies that like had a depressing tone to it that I kind of liked <laughs> and uh but it also had some funny moments and, and introduced us to aziz and all that stuff so i don't know I've, I've always really liked it this is one i think i need to check out again uh, i saw it once i don't think i was ready for it like i don't think i was mature enough to get it um and you're right it did it was our first introduction to aziz and his randy character which aged horribly um but <laughs> <laughs> but this is one I, I should probably watch again maybe maybe one for our uh well i guess it's not we missed the boat since i have seen it but uh, that's one I yeah. might get on the list again for sure. Number two. I was thinking about this list today, and I've only seen this movie one time. But every time I think about it, I, I, I it increases in its brilliance score. And of course, it, it won Best Picture, so it should be pretty fucking brilliant. Uh, it's Birdman. And you're the Birdman. <laughs> birds all over your body. And um, <laughs> what's great about this? So in Birdman, they're doing a play. And it's done in this one-shot way that really does put you, it puts you in the theater uh, because the the camera walks around. You know, there's no cuts. So the camera walks around and you feel like you're standing right in front of these people the whole time. The way that it's shot is, is so cool. Um, and the actors are doing the most in this. Like the every, Emma Stone, um, you have uh, Ed Norton, and of course, Michael Keaton and then some other surrounding characters are all 
switching on and off between acting and being the actor and they get into some different scenes and things and I really it, it's one that I I I was thinking about today I need to watch again very soon because it was super super expertly done and you don't see as much about stage plays in film mm-hmm. um and so this is probably the best one that I've seen um it's uh Birdman is just so fucking good I mean it's it's best picture not every best picture is awesome but uh, Birdman mm-hmm. certainly is and uh, yeah, I, same thing I've said for some of these other ones. Just the acting part of it just blew me away for real. That was an honorable mention for me. My number two is a TV show. It is uh, about kind of like uh, it's basically like a closely related to SNL. It's Thirty Rock. <laughs> that's and, that's very this. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's all about making the show and like the you mentioned like with crashing about. Uh, stand up and, and writing and this is about sketch writing and about that whole world and how that that works and the hierarchy but also but done in a very funny way and about networks and how they can intervene and with Alec, Alec Baldwin's character and it's just I mean this show is that show is 30 Rock is uh, it's expertly written it's so funny there wasn't really much of a lull in that show it was just always because not many people watched it um, it, I mean it was, it was on for a while but it probably because it was so cheap to make because they basically just filmed it in in uh, parts of Thirty Rock at 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 the actual uh, New Rockefeller Center and everything, but uh, it was so cheap for them to make, and it had a had a cult following, but it never was like their, a success huge show or anything. But it always was nominated for Emmys, and and uh, it was I mean it's it's great for anyone who loves SNL or loves sketch writing or anything like that. It's I think it's a it's a must watch. This is great. Yeah, I, I've I've not sat down and like watched all the episodes in order, but I've seen enough of it to know that like the comedy in this is a totally different type of comedy, and uh, it's very specific to like people who are into the variety shows and and things like that. Uh, if you're into those things, then watching them make one is pretty entertaining. And Liz Lemon is one of the great characters of of our time, comedic characters, and and Jack, mm-hmm. of course, and everyone in that is brilliant. Um, I would I would also endorse Thirty Rock for sure. Number one. So I, I do want to say before we go on, I, I've known what your number one is since we decided on this topic. Um, but um, but my number one, before we get to yours, is going to be La La Land. So this is another best picture, at least for a second it was. Um, and it's... La La Land, the reason I have La La Land above Birdman is a matter of my own personal taste. Where Birdman, Birdman. Is, is expert acting and very dramatically done and very like... I don't know. It, it's a little more serious. La La Land is pure fucking fun to me and just just joy. Like, I can't sit still and watch La La Land. They do a good job of showing you kind of the struggles of these people who are trying to make it in their arts. and But it's also so colorful and so poppy and so uh, catchy. It's it's probably my favorite musical. Ooh, I don't know. Greatest Showman is right up there, too. Um, Barf. But uh, La La Land is is just amazing and so much fun. Uh, you may find it on your on your We Miss the Boat list before long here. Um, but uh, Gosling and Emma Stone. Emma Stone. If there's if there's a role of hers that would win me over to your argument that she is America's sweetheart, uh, it's this one because she acts her balls off in this movie. Um, there's one scene in particular that's a one shot. Uh, that's a close-up of her face for like three minutes and it's incredible and she's so good in it uh, she won the oscar for best actress that year so um la la land is so great and it, they go a little bit less deep into the filmmaking or, and music making uh, aspects of some of the other things on my list but it's such a fun movie um that uh i go back to pretty frequently and i just love it so much 
Yeah, that's one that I did miss. I was I wanted to get to that one that year, but I just never ended up ended up getting to it. So I do want to watch it eventually, but I'll probably have to have a reason to watch it. So now I think I think you think you know what my number one is, but I have a reason why it's not my number one. I think Ooh. you think my number one is Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, that's definitely what I thought. That is that is not my number one, and the reason for that so far it's been more about kind of getting her feet under her with the stand-up she hasn't really gotten into show business yet she's gotten like a few gigs so if that becomes more as it sounds like it's going to be with her um getting into actual show business and getting on tv and getting on radio and all that stuff then i would have that on my list but my number one is a netflix show cartoon and it's bojack horseman ah oh, christ which which <laughs> fucking bojack i thought for that went from me being 100 percent sure what your number one is to you fucking talking about bojack horseman again <laughs> <laughs> well that show is entirely about you're right bojack yeah who was a former uh tv and movie star who again kind of like funny people fell in hard times and uh it i mean large chunks of that show are about him dealing with fame like not not being famous anymore or not being the shit anymore and then he eventually you know becomes that again and stars in a movie and all that stuff and about him working back up to that point and again dealing with fame now and uh you know the addiction and all i mean it's very much about hollywood and showbiz and all that stuff just in cartoon and with animals and Instead of Hollywood, it's Hollywood because the D D fell off the Hollywood sign, <laughs> and <laughs> it, it, it's all about show business. So it is definitely the number one choice. Well, that took a turn that I didn't expect or want, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you know I I, I shit on BoJack because it's not for me, but um, it is cool that everyone that a lot of people like it so much. So I guess I maybe nominated for an Emmy. Yep, that's got to be coming back soon. Hot damn. <laughs> Hot nigga the dog. <laughs> uh, I love this list, and this is something that I could probably come up with a whole fresh five if we did it again. Um, uh-huh. So certainly on this one, guys, let us know what your thoughts are on Facebook and Twitter at Soko Show Pod. Um, what are some of the ones that we left off of this list, and um, um, what should we have moved around? Do you have some honorable mentions? I do, yeah. So I mentioned Maisel is an honorable mention. You mentioned the disaster artist, and that's totally an honorable mention. And uh, the artist, the mm-hmm. that one best picture in like 2011, I believe. That I, I really like that movie. I, I only watched it the one time in theaters, and it was such a different. And I think that's one that I probably only. I don't know if I'll ever go back, just because it was such a cool theater experience. Having just having it be only no music and di- or having music and no dialogue and stuff uh, until until the end and. It was just such a cool experience at the theater. It was really well done overall and acted and because you had to use only expressions throughout that movie, which was cool. But it was all about uh, that was about how things went from from, you know, movies to talkies and and uh, that that period in the business. And it was pretty it's pretty cool. It's a, it's definitely a, for anyone who loves like older film or, you know, loves the history of film. Uh, that's I think that's that's one that people should definitely check out. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's one I never got around to. Maybe one for my list. Uh, for for folks uh, who need their classics itched, uh, of course, Sunset Boulevard is a legendary one of these, and Singing in the Rain um, would be another one. So there's no shortage of, of movies like this. Hollywood loves to stroke itself by making movies about making movies. 
um, and certainly all other aspects of, of uh, entertainment are covered in this one. So there's a there's a wealth of, of ones from which to pull here. So again, let us know what some of your favorites were and how you might correct our lists um, on the social medias. So uh, that was an especially fun one. I, I, I love that topic, but uh, that's going to wrap it up this week for Mambo number five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. All right, let's five. keep number five. Let's keep things rolling here. And um, we've been talking highly of, of some movies and shows. I'm going to talk highly of yet another one in this week's edition of We Missed the Boat. Oh, I'm on a boat, and you're going to need a bigger boat. So I, I felt really lucky this week. I, I thought that I was going to have less time than I ended up having. So I was I was going to. I was going to watch a different movie, and I decided, okay, I got some time here. I'm going to dive into one that's a, maybe a little bit more emotionally involved. And so I watched If Beale Street Could Talk. And, mm. oh, my God, it's so good. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think the thing – and we talked about this um, – back when it came out uh, you had prepped me to be sad you know in this movie and and there's certainly some things to be sad about in it um but i found myself being very happy more often than i found myself being sad so it was it was a surprise but a really rewarding experience for me um this movie for those who don't know is about a black couple in new york uh and it's in the past i don't remember the year um but um six, 60s or 70s i think is it? i think it's probably 60s yeah 60s so they i don't um, think it's new york though is it it is new york yeah i actually looked it up because i thought there's a famous beale street in, beale streets beale streets in um i just looked it up memphis yeah and that's the weird thing because beale street is in memphis and that's really famous but the story is set in new york and i don't know why that is um hmm. it's i don't know it's strange and that did cause me some confusion uh it is the early 70s in harlem but anyway, it's about these two uh, two kids who are, are young and in love, and they um, they fall in love, and he is kind of sent to jail for a really bogus reason and charged with a crime he didn't commit, and that's made it very clear. And it's about how they're trying to get him get him out of jail, and at the same time, she is pregnant. So it's about what goes on during that period of time in their lives, while also flashing back and showing you their love story as it happened, and it's. It is. It has some of the most heartwarming shit I've ever seen in my life. Um, you talk about you, you t- when you when you watch a movie about two people that love each other. It's really hard to get. It's not an easy thing to get the chemistry and get just the depth of the love that these two have for each other. It's not easy to get that on screen. But these two main actors did an incredible job of doing that. Like I didn't doubt for a second that they were you know these childhood sweethearts. Um, the uh, the two main cast members are Kiki Lane and Stephen James, and uh, mm-hmm. you've seen each of them in a few other things, um, but they do a fantastic job. Uh, Regina King is in a supporting role in this and won the Oscar, of course, this past year. Uh, and then you have uh, Coleman uh, Coleman Domingo and Brian Tyree Henry kind of round out the main supporting cast here. Um, also, surprise appearance by Dave Franco, <laughs> which I didn't expect. Yep, I think I, remember, I think I mentioned that in the in the review, and yeah. I was like, that was jarring because he just comes out of no. It's not even like he's introduced in the beginning, like where you could kind of get used to it. It's just like doing their thing, doing their thing, stories going, and then fuck, boom, Dave Franco yeah. as, Jew, as a Jewish guy, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Where'd you come from? That was very strange. Um, I would love like, to have figured out like how his agent got him that part. <laughs> like it's so weird. <laughs> 
And it's like, it's not even like two, because it was like not really big stars. And like, I know Stephen James has been in some other stuff, and he was in Homecoming, which I think I watched around the same time uh, that this came out. So I was like, I was familiar with him, but not like super. Whereas like Dave Franco's been in a ton of like noticeable stuff. So when he popped up, I'm like, that was jarring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely it was. But uh, the acting in this is incredible. The the one thing that was kind of confusing for me was, uh, I expected this powerhouse performance by Regina King and didn't get it. Like, I, I, I'm not saying she was bad in this. I just didn't get the sense that she had so much to do. Unless I missed something or wasn't paying attention during the right scene. Like, she did very well. I just didn't get the sense mm-hmm. that she was asked to do enough to win an Oscar for it. Did you have any problem with her winning back, back during no. Oscar season? No, there are a couple scenes that I thought because especially with supporting, that's all you really need is her couple, a couple powerful scenes, and she had a couple, which if you've seen the trailer, there's one that they kind of clip out of specifically with her as the kind of like that that really emotional scene. But mm-hmm. there's that, and then she kind of comes into play at the end as well, or towards the end as well. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't have a problem with her winning. I don't remember any who else was nominated for supporting actress that I thought I think it really was pretty weak. The her. two from uh, yeah. the favorite, I know, were on there, and then yeah, I and I don't think either else. of them. Yeah, I don't think either of them really deserved it um, over her. I don't know. I, I thought she was really good. Yeah, and um, she's certainly good in it. Uh, and the, the supporting act, you're right. Uh, and now that I think about it, it being supporting actress, uh, you really only have to have a couple solid minutes uh, of screen time for for you to be uh, considered and win that one. So that that makes more sense to me now, but. I think just this is a story about like childhood sweethearts. So you get to see him kind of figure each other out and, you know, lose their virginities and stuff like that. And it's, it's just so wholesome, the love story part of this. I'll agree with something you said way back when you reviewed this. There are times when the courtroom side of things or I guess they're never really in a courtroom, but the, the, the law side of things can at times seem like a detraction from the main story, mm-hmm. which is about their love story. I, I can totally understand that criticism. Um, and, and nowadays, we've seen stories like that and so fresh off of when they see us, we know that the law fucks over black dudes. Um, so <laughs> right. the timing of when I watched this, uh, I think, uh, added to the fact that it, it, it kind of shakes you out of the, the really nice and heartwarming part of this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, now that said, I think it was handled really well and, and the story is very compelling and the plot works out really well. There's some surprises along the way that are really interesting to me. And I think there's an incredibly satisfying conclusion uh, at the end of this movie that I, I really enjoyed the ending of. Um, mm-hmm. But um, it, if I could just watch like five minutes a time at a time of these two interacting and being so in love with each other, I would do that. It it just made me so happy at so many different times in this movie. And and yeah, there are it's a couple times where you get sad and you're disappointed, but they're far outweighed. This was a happy movie for me, and I didn't expect it to be. Um, so that was a pleasant surprise, and I really really dug this one. I'm so glad it was homework because I don't know if I was going to get around to it, but I'm really glad that I did. It was super rewarding watch. I was glad I did. Good. <laughs> Told you so. <laughs> I, I, I'm loving this. I think we've each done three of these now. And uh, I'm really enjoying this segment. Uh, we're, we're feeling each other out. We're getting some, getting some films in. Uh, and um, you're going to review one off of your list next week. But my list is now short a film. So uh, I'm going to need you to replace if Beale Street could talk and, and round out my list of five here. All right, well, I'm going to give you uh, another piece of homework, as you put it, <laughs> from uh, from last year, and that's going to be uh, blind spotting. Sweet. I um, 
I'm this may be the next movie I watch. I'm very excited to watch this one because um, you spoke very highly and everybody did. Um, and I love David Diggs. So um, this is one that that should have already been on my list. And uh, I got to count on Seth to give me, give me my black homework. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, that'll that'll get watched pretty quickly. My list now consists of Toy Story 3, Call Me By Your Name, Wally, Leave No Trace and Blind Spotting. So some really uh, Oscar quality shit. Uh, on my list of five, you're you're gonna be reviewing one of five films next week. What's your list looking like right now? Uh, Cabin in the Woods, Nightcrawler, Equilibrium, Steve Jobs, and How to Train Your Dragon. That's a dope ass list too. Uh, <laughs> less Oscar, less Oscar baity than your list. <laughs> it occurs to me. <laughs> I don't know if any of those were nominated, but um, but I think you'll find something in there that you like for sure. So, folks out there, let us know. Uh, feel free to do this homework along with us. Uh, I watch Beale Street. Feel free to. Give that a watch this week and let us know uh, on the tweets or on Facebook what you thought of the movie. And, um, and uh, yeah, ride along with us on this. And if you want to make a recommendation to Seth uh, out of my list of five, uh, let him know on the tweets uh, what, what you think he should watch. So that's going to do it for this. Adi- oh, you know what I forgot to do? Uh, blind spotting. You just made the list! Definitely there my favorite part of that segment. Um, <laughs> that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of We Missed the Boat. Oh, I'm on a boat, and you're going to need a bigger boat. All right, we are rolling on through movies, and uh, the love fest is going to continue, at least for one of these two films. Uh, we got a couple things to review. Mom, what do you think? I love it. <laughs> I hated it. So uh, I, I, I'm going to say a lot of, a lot of nice things uh, about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which we've alluded to. Uh, but before we get to that, Seth, you saw a movie that I've never heard of, I imagine, as an indie film or you caught on <laughs> VOD. Why don't you tell us what you thought of it? Yeah, I was on VOD, so you can check it out uh, right now. Uh, stop this podcast immediately and go watch it now. Um, it's a good movie, but I'll talk about it. It's Little Woods, which is, I think, for a first-time writer and director, but it stars... Uh, Tessa Thompson and Lily James. Oh, fuck. Kind of an interesting, <laughs> kind of an interesting uh, cast. Wow, you got really excited about. I that know. One. I forgot about. I I I remember hearing about this now, and now I I am on the edge of my seat. Please tell me it's good because I oh, really want to watch it. <laughs> so uh, it's it's all about Lily James and how another guy just doesn't treat her right. God damn it! <laughs> No, that's an aspect of it, but that's not the entire thing. So, uh, Tess Thompson plays Ollie, uh, Oleander, I think is what her actual name is, but they call her Ollie. She's a former, well, she, she was arrested previously for dealing drugs, I think mostly just pills and stuff. Uh, she was basically transporting drugs over the border from Canada where she was getting a large supply and got caught. And she's now, she's been released from jail. She's on probation or probation's ending, but some circumstances come up where she has to make some quick money. Her, her, her mom had died recently and she need in order to keep the house, she needs to make some quick money. She kind of gets back into it. And that's, that's a large chunk of the story. Uh, Lily James is Tessa Thompson's or Ollie's sister. Her name's Deb. They're, they are, uh, Ollie was adopted by her mother. So that's why they're sisters. Um, cause they, they of course looked very different, but, uh, <laughs> So Deb, uh, Lily James is kind of, she, she's a former drug addict. She also has a kid and she's a pregnant again through some dead, she has some deadbeat, uh, a deadbeat 
not husband or boyfriend, but just someone she keeps kind of going back to, and that's who her first son is. Uh, that that's her first her first son is is that's her father, the father of the son, and then she's pregnant by another kid through him, and she's trying to decide because she has no money. She works as she again was former drug addict, and she is a uh, a waitress, so she doesn't have a ton of money, and she's living in like a van RV type thing in like a parking lot of looks like I think it's like a uh, old rundown abandoned like grocery store or something. So they like they they're legally parked in this parking lot and stuff. So not a lot of money to go around for everyone here, but. She, so she's trying to decide, you know, I don't have the money to have this kid, but should I have this kid or should I go get an abortion? The thing is, though, they're in North Dakota, and I don't think it's legal there, and the closest place to have an, an abortion is like 100 miles away or uh, to kind of get it illegally. So there's there's a bit of that going on as well. There's kind of like two storylines going on. I, I think, I mean, while Tessa Thompson and her character are the main part of the story and the main crux of the story, Lily James and, and her character are a big part of it as well. So, uh, it's, I would say it's about 60, 40, maybe, maybe closer to, um, maybe closer to like 55, 45, even with, with the math in terms of like how, how the, the screen time goes. But it's, uh, it's very, it's very, uh, very interesting where this goes. I mean, you, you know, clearly, pretty clearly early on that Tess Thompson's going to get back into the the drug dealing and stuff in order to make some money but how far she goes that kind of is something that is explored and uh you know why she goes there and and uh other other motivating factors that that go into it as well uh the main part of the story too is is really their relationship Tessa Thompson and Lily James relationship and how that changes throughout the movie from where it started a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting stuff happens here, and a lot of uh, emotional stuff happens here too. I think performances, those two again, since they lead the movie, it's their their performances are what what drives it. I mean, for Lily James, you don't don't see a lot of her in this because she's kind of a shitty person in in certain aspects. She's, I mean, you care for her like it's not completely where she's like so shitty or like she doesn't have a redeeming quality because she cares about her her son that she does have, and she does care about Tessa Thompson. It's just that she's made some bad decisions and. Uh, you know, kind of blame certain things that have happened, but you know, there, there's enough there to care about her. So with most of her roles that you see her in, she's more of like the sweet, innocent, you know, wholesome girl. And for her to play something different here, I think is, is, is really cool. And I think that she does a really good job. It's, it was nice to see her in a different role than what you've seen in the past. Same thing with Tessa Thompson too. I mean, you've seen a little bit more of this out of her in terms of like a, a grittier or more, down-to-earth character like in in creed uh you know you see her as um i don't remember her character's name but you, you get to see her kind of as as the emotional rock in the relationship with her and and, and uh, adonis and creed kind of the same thing here she she is the rock in the relationship with uh she is the dwayne johnson in the relationship with her and her and deb so she she is very um very much a tough cookie but she's also you know she's got some she's got some emotional baggage as well. So a lot of a lot of interesting things are explored here. But overall, I think it's a really really good independent grounded movie. I think that it, there wasn't anything for me that like grabbed me in terms of like themes or anything. I just think it was a story that was told, and I think they told it in a really really good way. I thought it was really well done all around. It was shot really beautifully. The music was was really good. 
Uh, overall, I just think it was super well done. It just wasn't... I was kind of hoping for maybe just a little bit more of an emotional pull, I guess. And I didn't quite get that like I do with some of the other, other indie movies I see. So it's not something that's going to end up like in my top 10 list at the end of the year. But I think it's a really solid movie. Uh, you, you get to see more acting chops out of both of Tessa Thompson and Lily James. So definitely worth checking out. I don't know if it'll be on Netflix or anything like that. But 100% one of those movies. Uh, if, any, you know, it's, if it's on Netflix or whatever definitely watch it uh if any of that interests you or if either of those actresses interest you and seeing a, a more a more uh, a performance with more depth to it than what you've seen in the past so those those two definitely worth checking out so uh recommend this for sure i'm stoked uh I, i'm in on this just specifically because of the acting or the actresses i should say uh seeing lily james with a backbone sounds pretty dope to me and um and i always love tessa thompson so this is this is going on my list uh, of things to see and you said this is available on vod now Yep. Good stuff. Uh, Little Woods right now, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, so Seth is not the only one who likes it. Didn't do much of a box office release, only 150000 but I think it was only in a couple theaters. So um, mm-hmm. so check out Little Woods uh, if you want to see those two, uh, those two ladies uh, on your screen. But um, really excited to talk about this next film. Uh, it was my number two most highly anticipated film coming into this year, uh, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And, and we've talked about this. Uh, already on this show, you know, 1969, uh, it's going to deal alongside the Manson family murders, but the story really centers around Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, who are um, an actor and his stunt double. Uh, give me the names again. Cliff Booth is Brad Pitt, and Rick Dalton. Rick fucking Dalton is uh, <laughs> Leo DiCaprio. And th- this movie, for me, and again, I-, I should preface this with I'm a Tarantino fan, big one. Um, I love this. Like <laughs> big one, big one. <laughs> I loved this so much. It was exactly what I was hoping it would be. Um, it effectively put me in the vibe of you know 1969 and kept me there the whole time. And that was a world. This stylized 1969 is a world that is awesome to me. I think it was very cool. Um, I think, though, the the first thing that I would say that we have to point out is Leonardo DiCaprio is fucking killing this. Um, he his his uh, Rick Rick Dalton is wonderfully like layered. He's comedic. He's kind of serious. He's kind of sad sometimes, and he led the way. I think brilliantly. Um, and then Brad Pitt was was expertly kind of peppered in a, as his support, um, and you have a, a big supporting cast outside of him. But Seth, I think the two of these guys knocked it out of the park. I was super stoked, and we knew they were going to be good together. But I they, they even surpassed I think my expectations. Yeah, they're both great. I actually think I preferred uh, Brad Pitt's performance to to, to Leo's. I thought Brad, I thought Brad Pitt out outacted Leo a little mm. bit in this one. I think they both were both were great. But I personally I thought. This was a little bit more. I mean, we all know how great Leo is, and he's done kind of characters uh, a bit similar, I guess. Um, not like similar, but just like he's kind of gone out there with some of his characters. Whereas Brad Pitt kind of stays a lot of times in certain lanes, and this one is a character I don't think I've ever seen him play before. Mm-mm. This type of character, and I think this was this was a little bit more of a stretch for him. And I thought that this one he really killed it and uh cliff booth was was great i i loved every second of him on on the screen yeah what a what a great 
What a great character. I have seen I have seen a couple uh Twitter reviews that say that this is this is their favorite character of Brad Pitt's. Uh, yeah. which is a tall order. And um yeah, he's certainly he's different than what you expect here. Um you have of course Margot Robbie is playing Sharon Tate, a whole gaggle of fucking people. Um <laughs> Kevin Smith's daughter, uh Harley Quinn Smith is is in here mm-hmm. as one of the Manson family. Um uh, Dakota Fanning was in there as one of the members of the Manson family, and there's a whole bunch of like uh, people peppered in you're here. You're forgetting to mention Robin from Stranger Things three. Come on! Oh, that's right. Is that uh, Hawk? Maya Hawk? Maya Hawk? Yeah. Yeah, Maya Hawk. I was wondering yeah, she, I if that her. was she's, her. I, she's I, great. I was like, is that her? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a bunch of people peppered in here. You have. She has a really funny moment in the movie. Oh God, yeah. Um, there's a. Um, you know, you have the the scene we talked about with uh, with Bruce Lee is one of my favorite mm-hmm. scenes in the movie. It's fucking awesome, um, and you know, all the acting is great. That's that's never a problem in Tarantino movies. The cinematography here really stood out to me. They're they're doing quite a mm-hmm. bit with the camera here. That that is really interesting, um, and the thing that Tarantino always nailed, and this is no exception, the music in this. Uh, I've been listening to that soundtrack all week. And mm-hmm. it really does set the tone because it's not just it's not the Guardians of the Galaxy. Here's every popular song from the from the year 1969. It's a bunch of obscure shit that you don't know. Um, mm-hmm. So you can tell they did their homework. They did a lot of like manipulating advertising and like style and the way um, it's not a spoiler to say this, but uh, DiCaprio's character is the star of a show called Bounty Law. And Mm -hmm. that they so perfectly nail a 60s cowboy show, you know, it it feels like it's straight from that time. And so the actors are acting like 60s actors. They shoot those scenes like something was shot in the 60s. The sound is proper. So they they build this entire world with the music, the cinematography, and, and the actors kind of adjusting things as they go on that felt so perfectly in that age. I not once forgot, or I should say I... I forgot what day I was in uh, several times throughout this movie. And it's so long that it's very important that you maintain that. Yeah. Uh, it is very fucking long. Did the length get to you at any point in this one? Yeah, it did. I, uh, and it might have just been uh, the state I was in when I saw it, a little hungover when I saw it. Um, but I, I was, uh, it, I, I had a hard time keeping full engagement with the movie because I, I definitely thought there was about probably about 40 minutes you could have cut out of this movie and I, I would have felt much better but at the same time too like that's that's Tarantino and you you have to come to expect that with the movie and I, I don't think like I guess in terms of pacing you could have cut about 40 minutes I, I guess like every, nothing in there felt necessarily wasted because mm-hmm. I think that you know he he does do everything he he does with intention but at the same time, for me and my personal enjoyment, I think I could have done with about without without about forty minutes of the movie, and it would still have been a little over two hours. So uh, I think I think it would have been fine there. Um, yeah, I just I just wasn't fully engaged like I wanted to be, and maybe I need to revisit. I think the other thing too that I mentioned just a little bit when we were talking about uh, you know the 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 topic earlier was that I knew a little bit about the Manson murder thing that was going on. And so, but I didn't fully know, and I wish I would have 
looked it up beforehand. So I could have compared the difference. I wish I would have read more about it beforehand so I could have compared the differences. Mm-hmm. Because in my head the entire time I'm thinking like, well, what's different? I'm, I was trying to find what is different about the real thing. Um, I thought I remember hearing that Charles Manson was, was an actor before. Yep. And I was waiting for that to kind of come into play more, but it didn't. And so I, I just... I, I don't know. For me, I was trying to put the, put together the pieces too much, and I think that took away from what I really wanted to to enjoy more, which was more the Brad Pitt and Leo stuff. And instead, I was kind of focusing more on the, the Charles Manson stuff. And I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I would have kind of read up before it beforehand and kind of had a better basis to to really compare it. So that did take away from my overall engagement and enjoyment a little bit because I was just focusing on one aspect a little bit too much. Yeah, I can totally see that. And I'll say I know probably I know a little bit more about this time period because I've studied it a little bit, but but not everything. And I will say that there is some fun to be had with knowing the truth about what happened and knowing the facts. Um, I wouldn't say that everyone is going to find it super necessary. Um, But yeah, right. It's kind of like in comic book movies where they have Easter eggs. Um, mm-hmm. it, it can be rewarding to know the, the, the facts of it. Um, I think one thing that was interesting here is, tell me if you agree with this. I think, and I'm not saying he should have done this. I'd, I'm not necessarily saying this is a criticism. Um, there is a perfectly very, very good movie here that doesn't include the Manson stuff at all. Um, I think that, I think that this movie mm-hmm. could have been made completely with fiction and without, the those kind of true events running alongside that wouldn't be necessarily the the most Tarantino thing to do. Do you agree with it? Would were, were DiCaprio and Brad Pitt and their goings on in that um, a separate from what happens with the Manson family? Do you think that could have carried its own film? Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, I actually I think Tarantino's mentioned doing a I don't think with it would be with Leo, but I, uh, he's mentioned doing a Bounty Law TV show. Oh fuck <laughs> yeah, be that'd be fun. incredible. <laughs> but. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I, I agree with that statement. I, I do think that for me the best parts of the movie were with with Cliff and with with uh Rick. So I, I would have probably preferred that more just because I wouldn't have been focusing <laughs> on the Manson stuff mm-hmm. as much as I was and, and could have been fully invested in, in their story. Yeah. So you talk about time, you know, that that would be one way they could have shortened this up. And then they did. I, I was talking to someone about this movie before, and some folks will remember us talking about Blade Runner 2049. And, and we famously do not like that movie. And one of the mm-hmm. reasons why is because, uh, for example, in Blade Runner 2049, you have to walk. You have to watch a person walk up every step in a stairwell mm-hmm. to get where they're going. And I hated that and it caused me anxiety and it really upset me when I watched that movie. It mm-hmm. in this movie though, I actually liked it. Uh I, I liked that they had these long takes. For me it pulled me in closer to the world we were in. And so it may be my bias. It may be that I want to find another reason to like Tarantino, but the length didn't bother me at all. Um, and none of those motions seemed wasted because they, they dragged me further down into this world that I felt like I was really just wrapped up in by the end of it. And so maybe it's the score. Maybe I was more comfortable with the score. Maybe it's just, just very obviously my bias for Tarantino, but I liked that. I totally understand though why someone wouldn't because I've gone through that experience, but that's something that I think people should be prepared for. There's some really long takes that seem unnecessary, uh, in this that bloat the runtime some, uh, and it sounds like you you didn't dig them as much as I did, and I totally I totally see mm-hmm. why you might not. Yep. 
So this for me is, uh, you know, again, it's early. I have not gone and put this into my rankings, but I suspect it will feature very highly. Um, and um, my immediate reaction when I walked out, I walked out of the theater and I said, hmm, I might need to watch Booksmart again because there may be a conversation to be had here. I, I don't know. I've walked, I've walked back that a little bit. But um, this movie for me is going to be in the conversation as a as a uh, and near the top of my end of the year list, uh, pending what we see for the rest of the year come out. Um, again, a lot of that is Tarantino bias. A lot of that is getting to see DiCaprio again and Brad Pitt. Um, this movie is is as much a Cody movie as you're probably going to find. Um, so I understand why it's not going to fit for everybody. So I imagine you're not quite as high on it as I am, even though it sounds like you did enjoy it. No, I, d- I did enjoy it overall, but yeah, it's definitely not going to feature in my top 10 list by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So I get that. I've always been a little more hard on Tarantino, or hard for Tarantino, I should say, um, <laughs> than you have been. So that makes sense. Um, but I, on my own volition, am willing to uh, to give Tarantino... You get a fucking cookie and a star. Because I think this was uh, a very a very nice addition to his, his filmography, and I'm stoked to see what he does next. So... Uh, let us know what you thought of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I expect there's going to be a lot of differing opinions on this one, and uh, people are going to find different things that they liked or hated. But uh, I think it's easy set to say that this is an expertly made movie, uh, and it's going to come down to maybe some of your preferences and what you like to see and don't like to see in films that, that are going to determine how much you like it. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, let's see here. So those are the movies this week. Uh, it's kind of a... a um, we're going back into some doldrums. I think can we say can we say emphatically now, Seth, that July actually did bang pretty hard. Like we we didn't like early June so much, but things picked up. And then in July we got Spider Man, we got the Lion King, we got this. Um, and I'm very happy with how July went, especially as compared to the early part of the summer. But it looks like we're going into some doldrums again in August. Oh yeah. I think the the summer movie season, at least the best parts of it, have come and gone. Um, and uh, things are going to pick back up, I think, in September. There's some good stuff coming out, including It Chapter 2. Um, but, um, yeah, a little bit of a doldrum until then. And uh, we're going to get into, actually, our August releases, and, and we'll cover some of the highlights uh, right about now in this month's edition of the new release exam. So <laughs> this is going to be... Uh, I, I can spoil this for you. I'm going to lose this round. Uh, partially because I forgot we were doing this. <laughs> and, um, partially because there's a lot of crap coming out and I didn't want to glorify it by learning all the stuff about it. So I think I'll get some of these <laughs> things, but the directors specifically are going to be a challenge for me. But this yep. will at least be a challenge or at least be an opportunity for us to take a look at what's coming up in August and what we might be looking forward to. So uh, if you don't remember... Uh, this game, Seth is going to tell me five of the biggest movies coming out in August. Uh, my challenge to, is to get three of the five correctly. And by getting them correctly, I mean that I would need to uh, to come up with a release date, an actor from the movie or actress, and the director of the film. If I can name all three of those for a film, I've gotten it correct. The goal is to get three out of five. I'll be shocked if I get one out of five. Um, but Seth, let, let's start by what's my list of five options here. All right, yeah, these I I personally know one director out of these five, so <laughs> that's and I picked literally the five probably most popular movies coming out this month. So this isn't saying much, but uh, the movies are Good Boys, mm-hmm. uh, Angel Has Fallen, uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, I know the one you're excited about, The Art of Racing in the Rain. <laughs> you would fucking do that. 
And finally, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Okay. I can name actors on most of these. I'm going to struggle with the release dates. Um, so let's see. Hobbs and Shaw, we can start there. It's obviously got The Rock uh, and Jason Statham. Uh, is that that an August 9th release? No. <laughs> is it the, it's the second then, right? Yeah, it comes out this Thursday okay, so, or Friday, I guess. So people who are listening to this podcast can go watch Hobbs and Shaw right now. Um, I don't remember the name of the director. It's some nobody. What's what's Who's the director? He's not a nobody, but it's David Leach. Oh, it's David Leach. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, yep. Good for him, Hobbs and Shaw. I, I'm going to go see that. Uh, I'm not I'm not uh, very high on it, but I think it'll be a fun one to like drink a beer during and go like, yeah, when they fucking throw a chain over the helicopter or whatever. Uh, yeah, when when the rock lasts as a helicopter, I think you kind of have to go to it. Yeah. Plus, I, I got Regal Unlimited now, so it doesn't really cost me anything to go. So I'm probably going to check there that out go. and report back. Are you planning on seeing that one? Yep, I had a I had a Fandango credit that was going to expire, so I figured I might as well use it. Fuck yeah, I love it. God damn. Oh for one. This is all crap. Um, okay, so that was Hobbs. Good and Boys Shaw. isn't crap. Good, Bo- Good Boys Good is Boys the one that I'm most highly anticipating. But what stinks about yep. it is I don't know the names of those fucking kids. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, is this a... one of one of them has been? I'll give you a clue. One of them. Oh, I, I think do he know. Was in, uh, Jacob Tremblay. He was in Room. Yes. Yep. Jacob Tremblay. I remember. Um, is that on the sixteenth? Is that that release date? Yes. Okay, so I got, got that. that. Uh, Can you get the director? I can't get the director. I know Seth Rogen is a producer, but I know he didn't direct it. He didn't direct it. Um, it is uh, Gene Stipnisky. Oh yeah, of course, Gene. Gene Stips, <laughs> Stippy. That's what I call him. Yep. Um, so Gene Stips, we got Good Boys. Uh, that uh, definitely out of this list is the one I'm most anticipating for August. Is that the same for you? Yep. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, that's probably the only one I'm anticipating. Yeah, I don't even want to go to most of these. <laughs> at least at least for, like, the major releases. I know there's a few indies coming out I want to see, but, yeah, it's it's a, it's, it's a, it's a scrapyard of movies. Yeah, it is a dookie month. Um Let's look at Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Um, I know that Michael Pena's in this. Um, okay. Just totally slumming it. I want to say that's an August 23rd release. Nope. Mm. What is the date? August 9th. It is the 9th. Okay. That's the one I was missing. Or I've, I'm actually missing all of them. But uh, Dora, <laughs> we'll see. I, I'm not going to go to Dora, but I am interested to see how it does. Uh, I think it's probably going to bomb, but um, we'll see if the reviews come back any good. I. I think this looks very obviously like just for kids. It's not even going to be one of those that adults are going to have fun with taking their kids to. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, but um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, cool that Dora's getting a movie after you know so long, but um, it looks like they went about it the wrong uh, way to me. The director is James Bobbin or Bobin B O B I N. Ah, just so you know, Jimmy B. That's what I call him, or Bob. Yep, Jimmy Bob, Jim Bob. That's what I call him. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ, Angel has fallen. Which uh, I would honestly, I would rather see Rocky Seven than Angelus Fallen. <laughs> <laughs> Is that on the twenty third? Yes. Okay, so that's on the twenty third, and uh, you have uh, Gerard Butler, of course, and Morgan Freeman coming back mm-hmm. to do their their roles. Um, I have no fucking clue. I'm the director, a white guy, I assume. Uh, his name is Rick Roman Raw, R A U G H. That's a Rick dope Roman ass Raw, fucking maybe. name. <laughs> Rick Roman Raw. Triple R. Triple R. Holy shit. He needs to get in the WWE, man. <laughs> uh, Angel Has Fallen. It seems like that movie jumped the shark in the first 10 minutes of the first movie, but it seems like they're trying to re- <laughs> re-jump the shark with this fucking thing. You got Nick Nolte well, showing up. this is the third one, isn't the, it? Yeah. They, they did London, uh, which actually got decent mm-hmm. reviews, I think. People liked that one. But um, now he's disavowed 
Ethan Hunt style and um, he's got to uh, convince everyone he didn't do this shit and he's got Nick Nolte as a dad um, doing his thing so whatever that's fucking dookie um, I'll see it though <laughs> probably Regal Unlimited baby <laughs> Uh, there's another one, the art of racing in the fucking rain, which you did just to make, just mm-hmm. to laugh at me. I th- is that the ninth? Yes. Okay. Uh, I did better with release dates than I thought I was going to, uh, Milo Ventimiglia is the main character. And then they have mm-hmm. Kev- Kevin Costner with the voice of this dog. I don't know how they got these guys in this fucking thing. Cause it looks so bad. I bet you it's one of those that's going to come back with like a 75 on rotten tomatoes. Yeah. People are going to be like, it's actually so good. And I'm gonna be like, I bet you it fucking isn't. <laughs> but, uh, this trailer, uh, I hate. Also has Amanda Seyfried in, t- in it too. I like her a lot. Um, I don't know. I guess this has... I'm not seeing this. I don't care how good it's reviewed. Um, I have no interest in dog movies in general. And people can be like, Cody hates dogs. And I'm like, fuck you, okay? I, I don't want to watch dog movies. Um, but they have this scene... Like, can you imagine Kevin Costner in the booth? Like, there's this... Um, there's a shot in the... Um, in the trailer where... Trailer. He, he basically... He goes, <laughs> he goes, all I want is one more lap. And he goes, faster, Danny. Faster. And, like, how do you seriously deliver that line as a dog in that dramatic-ass Kevin Costner voice? Like, they must have paid him a lot, or he was on drugs. The fact that he was taking this shit seriously boggles my fucking mind. I have no idea how well, this shit happens. Well, you also, I mean, are a fan of a movie where a guy had to deliver a line saying, I love you! Okay, whatever so. fuck. At least he was live action, and he got to act during it. Kevin Costner just got to... I, it seemed Did he weird. have to act during it? Because it didn't look like he was. Uh, he wasn't because they actually built that. That's why that movie's so good. They actually built that and threw that kid off of it. That's why I haven't seen him in other things, even though he's crazy talented. I wish. Um, <laughs> also, The Art of Racing in the Rain pisses me off as a title for a movie. Um, I don't know. It, everything about that movie just upsets me. The trailers make me angry when I see them. Uh, but again, wow. I'm probably going to be... <laughs> looking stupid when it gets a really good Rotten Tomatoes rating. That, that's my prediction. Simon Curtis is the director. Oh, okay, fucking Simon Curtis. Get out of here with this, Seth. I don't care. Um, okay, Simon Curtis directed Art of Racing the Rain. That comes out on the 9th? Yes. Yeah. So You lose. I've lost, uh, and I, I, will, I will take it graciously. Uh, there's a sounder that I should play because I lost. Here it is. <laughs> So I I do suck indeed. And um, what that means is that be instead of being the so host and co-host next month, um, Seth will just be Seth and I will have some ridiculous nickname that Seth will invent. So uh, make sure you listen to to our next. You you have it already. I have it already. Oh, God. uh, I'm I'm fearful of uh, I, I think I know where this is going. Do you if you want to tell me now, you can tell me now. It's not going to be as bad as as you I, I, you're thinking. I was going to relate it to the art of racing in the rain. Yeah, I totally was. <laughs> I was thinking about Kevin Costner, mm. but uh, but I think I'm going to go with Cora the Explorer. Oh, that one I actually fucking dig. Cora the Explorer is in the house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next week, uh, tune in to listen to, to Seth and Cora um, deliver the show uh, for the next for the next no, month. Not Cora. It's Cora the Explorer. Sorry, Cora the Explorer. And I imagine you want me to really hit that R uh, in the middle on both of those. No comment. <laughs> All my R's are hard R's. Is that what you're going to get at? <laughs> um, yeah. We're, we're going to leave that at that, I think. Uh, so that's uh, I'm the loser of, of the August uh, booty month edition of <laughs> the new release exam. All right. Now that that... <laughs> 
now that that unpleasantness is behind us, um, we are nearly to the end of our show. Um, but as you all will know, uh, we can't let you go without giving you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. I am going to start with uh, one more thing. And we've recommended quite a few shows and movies. I'm going to do one more show. It's on Netflix. And uh, the show is called Toast of London. And <laughs> this is, I want to preface this by saying this is a wacky ass show. It's a, it's dead comedy. Um, and it's a, a 20 minute, very goofy show. Um, it stars Matt Berry, who, uh, if you're watching the new fantasy, uh, fantasy advice, no, not that guy. I, it was funny though. Oh. When I saw that name though. Um, uh, Matt Berry is on the new, um, what we do in the shadows show is one of the head vampires. Um, and he's a, a British actor who you've seen in some other stuff for sure. So the show here, uh, he is a struggling act, not a struggling. He's like a, a mid level, a mid tier actor. Um, in London, his name is Toast. That's his last name. Uh, Stephen Toast is his name. And so um, he gets into just these wacky shenanigans, and there's a lot of, like, really funny in-jokes in here. This is a goofy, like, watch this late at night after a couple of beers. Uh, It's 0% serious. It's all comedy. It's got some of that kind of, like, airplane-type gag comedy. One of the things that they do that's really funny is... They do this thing where they it shows them in the exterior walking into a building, and then when they cut to the interior, you know there's no fucking way it's that same building. Like he'll not to not to this extreme extent, but he like he might like walk into an outhouse, and then they they cut to him inside this big elegant ball get ballroom. Uh, so that's kind of a fun gag that they do, and it took me I guess a little bit of a spoiler because it took me a few episodes to notice they were doing it, but once I did, it makes me laugh every time. Um, he's got this 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 rival character that they, uh, they're constantly kind of at odds with each other, and it's very funny. And there's a lot of really good side characters in this who have their own different gags. And uh, it's just one of those shows that you can watch with someone and you'll get a bevy of inside jokes that you can quote um, out in your, in your everyday life. So I'm enjoying Toast of London. Again, this is, this is a time waster for real. Like it's, it, it's in no way serious, but it, it is very funny, and I think folks will find some, some good stuff in there. Um, so Toast of London, you can watch it on Netflix. That's, that's what I'm going to recommend for one more thing. Uh, my one more thing is, is really, it's just dedicated for you here, and it's to give you a a, a, a fair warning, a fair heads up. It's probably going to give me an ulcer, because uh, you're going to piss me off again. I can tell by the tone in your voice. <laughs> I'm not going to piss you off, but you probably have an ulcer, because you're going to be probably terrified for the rest of the night. So, But I have to tell you, because if I don't, then you'll probably run into this and, and you know, crap your pants and die. This, at least this way you'll, you'll be uh, prepared. And that's that. I heard a story today about how uh, the Black Widow spider Uh-oh. is now in California mating with the Brown Recluse spider, and they together they are making they are now the Brown uh, Brown Widow spider, and it's super deadly. <laughs> oh, good Christ! What the fuck? <laughs> California is next to my state, Seth. I know. Now I'm never gonna sleep and again. So I just have to tell you that super spiders are now becoming a real thing and you need to check your shoes check your wives because they're <laughs> these spiders are biting everybody out here <laughs> are there any reported so, bites oh i have no idea I, I i i didn't go super deep i heard this on a podcast and uh uh that that this is happening now so yeah just just watch out if you see any brown 
brown recluse, black widows, or brown widows. Uh, basically, just run and, and shit yourself and <laughs> make sure you don't get bit. God, yeah, this is what I'm going to do if I see one of them. <laughs> I don't like that at all. That, and that's mostly all, that's the sound of all the breath leaving your body and you passing out. Oh, yeah, that's me dying for sure. People are going to ask me what <laughs> happened later and I'm going to be like, because uh, I can't explain <laughs> the feeling of, of doing that. Um, the thing about the thing about spiders, though, it, you're right. People should check their shoes because uh, I was talking to a spider last week and, and I asked him, like, you know, like, what do you like to bite? And he said, I really like feet. So, <laughs> oh, my God. So you got you to gotta be careful when you're dealing with the brown widow. Um, I think that's all the, the all the jokes I want to make about that um, at this moment. So thank you for indulging me. Uh, well, I'm never fucking sleeping again. And um, while I'm awake, I'm going to be watching Toast of London. <laughs> so uh, that, that's it for this week's One More Thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. Uh, that's going to bring us to the end of episode number 105. Uh, here, yeah, extra, extra. That's going to bring us to the end. That's, I guess, what I slipped into. For a second there, um, but all jokes aside, uh, the episode is over, and um, thank God. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, <sighs> visit our sponsors. You can link to them in the description box. Um, visit, of course, as always at Jared Buckendall. Uh, he just posted a channel update that I'll link to in the description box, and uh, also a congratulations uh, out to Jared. 1,800 subscribers. Uh, he's celebrating this week, so. Uh, dude continues to do do good work and uh, subscribers are catching on. So if you're not subscribed to, to JB, uh, get over to the YouTubes uh, and 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 remedy that shit right now. At Jared Buckendall. Uh, of course, you can find links to the stories we talked about, to our contact info. Uh, best way to get a hold of us is on Facebook. Uh, you can get a hold of me at Soko Show Pod. And on Twitter, you're talking to Seth at Soko Show Pod as well. So make sure you like and subscribe there. We're posting links to everything we're doing uh, as well as updates and things. So that's that's one of the best ways to keep in touch with us. Uh, every Saturday, don't forget, uh, previously on Big Brother, uh, Seth is, I think, five weeks now into the Big Brother season. Seth, on the whole in five seconds, how's the season been so Gross. far? Uh, okay. Just okay. Hopefully it heats up yeah. uh, as the summer continues. But uh, if if you are watching Big Brother and you want to keep up with all the all the stuff, um, then you can uh, you can listen to Seth uh, every Saturday. We put those out, and um, you can catch them on our SoundCloud. And of course, we're we're linking to those uh, through Facebook and, and Twitter as well. So all sorts of good stuff. Uh, we are still uh, still uh, we're very close. I'll say to uh, the Soko Sketch Show and to um, the Cody Explains a Horror Film. Uh, those have been kind of delayed for the last few weeks for various reasons. Uh, I've been busy doing other stuff. So um, those things are still in the works. They're coming out. Don't worry. It's just a little slower than, than previously anticipated. So keep an ear out for those. We'll update uh, on social media as well as on the SoCo show. And a couple a couple other new things that, that we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about in later episodes uh, coming down the pipe as well. So we've got even more uh, SoCo uh, additional material for you guys uh, that way. If you're not sick of the two hours you spend listening to us every week, you can get even more. So we're excited about all that stuff. More more fun stuff to come. Seth, what do you think? You got anything you, you want to mention to the good folks at home before we wrap this thing up? Uh, no. <laughs> no, that's it. You suck. All right. I do suck. Uh, make sure you come on back for 106 in seven days. Uh, I think we may have a special guest that I'm excited to uh, – to uh have on the show with you guys so uh come on back in seven days i 
uh, have been the co-host, but next week I will be Cora the sorry Cora the Explorer. <laughs> and for the so host Seth Ott, we will see you next week. Bye.